1: Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and
0: welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, where I try to bring you some interesting interviews with people who are doing really cool things with the intent of inspiring you. I know that a lot of people who listen to this show are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, people who are trying to make their way in the world. Some of you still have full-time jobs, but want to kind of go and do your own thing. Others have full-time jobs, and you just want to be more entrepreneurial in your day-to-day operation and serving your company. You want to be an intrapreneur. And you know that when you listen to this show, we are going to have a variety of people who are doing really cool things. And today is no different. Today, we are going to interview somebody who knows all about digital marketing. And I don't think you can live in today's world and have a small business and especially be a solopreneur because let's face it. What was the statistic I quoted a few weeks back? They say that 40% of the workforce is going to end up working for themselves, working project to project, being a consultant. As that happens, we have to learn to market ourselves. And Justin Christensen, he's an expert in that. So – Justin is the best-selling author of a book called Conversion Fanatic, How to Double Your Customers, Sales, and Profits with A-B Testing. Now, I got to tell you, who of us would not want to double our customers, double our sales, and double our profits? So I want to listen closely to what he says because I want to do that, and I know that you probably do too. He's a 13-year veteran of the digital marketing world, which makes him sort of an early adopter of getting this thing done because 13 years ago, it was the Wild West, and now uh, he's got stuff going. He really believes that numbers don't lie, and he has a knack for finding holes in marketing campaigns and offering simple solutions to quickly plug those holes. I am really glad that he agreed to be a guest today on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, I gave a little bit of a background about what you do, but why don't you tell the audience about your business?
1: Okay, well, basically, we're a full service conversion rate optimization company. So we take companies that are spending money on digital advertising, and we make it more effective through figuring out what visitors are doing on their site and how to get them to take more action, whether that become a lead or a sale.
0: Most people are kind of winging this, right? Uh, There's a lot of them out there that are, for sure. I know I do. So, so how do you get somebody to understand that looking closely and following what's going on is
1: really going to be a profitable move for them? Well, for the most part, like, like you said in the introduction, is numbers don't lie. I mean, your visitors are the biggest catalyst to how well you're doing. And if you look at the data and just look where your visitors are going, where they're falling off, you can find pretty quick where you're falling short so being able to you know present your product or service in a different way that appeals more to that audience to get them to do what it is you want them to do and take advantage of your your great product or service
0: so who's your guys ideal client who do you work with
1: um we primarily work with uh, b2c companies in the 5 million plus in revenue. up to $200 million in revenue. Um, some companies providing either products or services that are selling direct to consumer. And we even mix in some B2B in there too. We've got I mean, probably 25% of our business is B2B. So just some companies doing extraordinary things with, and helping a lot of people.
0: So before you founded Conversion Fanatics,
1: what did you do? Well, I kind of been in, the, like you said, I've been in the internet game for a while. Uh, was mostly in affiliate marketing and then partnered up on an information uh, training company in like 06 and we grew it like 500 some plus percent in a couple of years and then uh, sold it and went into private consulting and doing. kept getting asked regularly about implementation and optimization because I had done quite a bit of that throughout my entire career. So it kind of led us into forming what is now Conversion Fanatics.
0: So were you always one of these people who kind of had that entrepreneurial bug? I mean, like right out of college, were you, were you looking at doing your own thing and partnering with people, and or were you like in a, a standard corporate job right off the bat?
1: Um, actually, I was more blue collar. Um, I grew up in a very small town in rural North Dakota, a town of like 450 people. And my dad was pretty entrepreneurial, always kind of worked for himself or always had something going. And I kind of did the same from selling baseball cards to lawn mowing services. And then uh, out of high school, I actually became an electrician and then figured out that, you know, working 60, 70 plus hours a week for a paycheck wasn't for me. And uh, kind of the rest is history from there.
0: So that's interesting because you made the jump from electrician to sort of Internet Entrepreneur, what was that transition mm-hmm. like? How did you? How did you say, like one day, hey, I'm I'm doing you know a trade, and now I'm gonna go be an internet entrepreneur.
1: How do you make um, that type it, of transition? It was tough. <laughs> um, we actually, I actually started out in network marketing. Um, kind of got my first taste of what business is out there, and you know, people doing amazing things and amazing products, and kind of got out of my shell. And then realized that I couldn't do that belly-to-belly thing, especially in a very small town environment, and uh, even though I was away from the small town at this time, um, and found the Internet. and then I figured out that I could generate leads online and talk to some cool people, and that's what kind of kept building on there and failed my way forward for you know 10 plus years.
0: So you bring up an interesting point
1: is that you came out of more of a blue collar background,
0: went from high school to being an electrician, uh, learning a trade, do, doing it that way. Do you think it's harder for someone who comes out of that background rather than somebody who maybe goes to, you know, Harvard or Carnegie Mellon to say, hey, I'm going to go be a, a, tech, a tech entrepreneur? Do you, do you think it's harder for someone to make a transaction, a transition, excuse me, like that? Or do you think it's just what it is?
1: Um, I think it might be a little bit more difficult because, I mean, you're pretty set in, in your ways. I mean, you, you get up and you go do your work and you get a paycheck and it just becomes the repetition and that's what you do. And you're not really exposed to the digital side of things. You know, it's, it's very old school. And I think it's probably a little bit easier if you're more exposed to it earlier on um, than just, you know, Going in there and exchanging hours for dollars, actually getting dirty every day. <laughs> well, you mentioned that your dad was
0: entrepreneurial. Do you think that that helps when you grow up in an environment where someone around you is trying to make their own path in the world rather than somebody who's just punching a clock?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so because I mean, it, it just instilled that I got instilled young about what work ethic is, you know, and, and what real work is. And my dad always worked extremely hard. So, that kind of passed on to me and it's passed on, you know, it's continued with me. My entire career is just that strong, strong work and just make, if you're going to, if anybody's going to make it happen, you have to make it happen kind of mentality. And it's, it's worked out really well for me.
0: So do your friends back in that really small town, you know, people you went to high school
1: with or family friends, do they look at you like you're from Mars? Uh, Pretty much. Um, no, nobody really knows what I do, (laughs) um, in general, but, you know, with things like Facebook and things like that, we've been able to connect again now that I'm, you know, I live 1400 plus miles away, uh, from where I grew up. So it's really, you know, they kind of look at me like I'm crazy and not really sure because, you know, they, a lot of them still have jobs. I mean, some people are still living in the same hometown and, I think they kind of see it now a little bit more, you know, now, you know, I'm a best-selling author and, you know, coming up and just seeing all of these things and it's like, oh, I'm a featured guest expert and just all of these things kind of spiraling that's being shared around on Facebook and I'm getting tagged in. Um, they kind of see it a little bit more now, but yeah, they really don't know what I I do <laughs> in general, I guess. So you're 1400 miles
0: away from where you grew up. Where are you now?
1: right down the street from you.
0: Oh, you're in Austin. Yeah. So uh, what do you think about, you know, moving from a small town to a place that is like an entrepreneurial hotbed? Does that make it more of, a, of an easy transition for you to be an entrepreneur?
1: Uh, yeah, I transplanted here in 07 um, after my wife got her master's degree and I had a business partner and mentor that moved down here. Um, so it was pretty easy transition. Uh, I, I came from a town of about, Uh, Fargo, North Dakota, which was about 150,000 people, which is where I moved from, came down, visited Austin, and literally moved three months later. So uh, I just love the energy that Austin provides. So what do you absolutely love about
0: the life of being an entrepreneur?
1: Day-to-day challenges. There's always something new. Um, The biggest thing is probably being able, specifically in what we do, Is we're helping not only our customers and our clients, but we're also helping them provide a great product or service to, you know, hundreds of thousands of other people too. So it's just constantly changing, constantly evolving. You got to stay on your toes and it's just fun. I mean, there's nothing really that I don't dislike about it. And since it's constantly changing, I'm not stuck in the monotony of doing something day in and day out, kind of the same thing.
0: But are there ever days when you wake up and you think, you know, I could be an electrician and just work for a company and punch the clock and wouldn't have to deal with all this?
1: Oh, I second guess myself all the time. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, 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 I do it all the time. I mean, there's, I think you're crazy if you don't. I mean, it's, but I also think that I'm creating something very cool. You know, we're creating jobs, we're, we're doing some amazing things and that's just what keeps me motivated. And I just kind of, kind of keep my eye on the prize rather than, you know, just settling for something different. How big is your company now? Um, there's about 13 of us, I think right now. So what's been the biggest growing
0: pains going from a couple of co-founders who are, you know, have a service that they're offering to people to actually having a team of, of, you know, a dozen or more.
1: Well, lucky for me is my business partner is very fanatical, (laughs) <laughs> for the lack of the pun, but they are—he's uh, very fanatical when it comes to the processes and systems that go into business, and really playing off the strengths of other people. So, the biggest thing for me is been letting go. Um, I was always the—if it's going to be done right, it's going to be done by me—philosophy uh, for many years, and it really didn't serve me well. It kind of hindered my growth. So our biggest growing pains is probably finding the right people for the right roles and then allowing that role to kind of shift into their strengths. So is it hard to find people? Uh, Surprisingly? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it it is. Uh, So we kind of go where we hire always. (laughs) We're always doing something to hire and filling positions to find that right person. And then, it's it's really weird that there isn't really that big of a pool for the type of positions we're hiring for. You know, many of the people are already working for big organizations or they have their own gigs going. So it's it's been a little bit of a, a struggle there, but um, you know, we've been able to find some amazing people to work for us.
0: Well, it's funny that you know we kind of got onto this because I had a conversation this weekend about the fact that when they poll employers employers are saying that you know they, they just aren't happy with the quality of people they have working for them or the quality of candidates that they have when they have a job to fill. And when they poll employees, employees are extremely unhappy in the jobs that they work in. And I'm wondering if some of the problem that you know we have out there is there's an expectation gap has somehow changed between what companies and employees expect from one another.
1: Yeah, it could quite possibly be that. I mean we know that once we – we try to create a, a very – uh, rich culture to make everybody happy and really play into their strengths and not make them do what they don't really want to do. So that's kind of a way for us to not be able to hire the the best people, you know, or really find that many candidates because, you know, we're kind of picky, but yeah, I think there probably is a little bit of a gap there in, in that. And we do find a lot of unhappy people that are just like, I just want out of this position. I don't want to work for this company anymore. You know, this is my dream job. And then they just end up not being the right fit. Right.
0: Hey, I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I've got to thank the sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Justin. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do because you email me about it. We talk about it. If you want to start a podcast, pick up the phone and call the people at Podfly or jump over to podfly.net slash cool things because they've got a special offer for the listeners of this show and I'll let you in on a secret. They'll just answer a lot of questions. I know you think, wait a minute, Tom, everybody will call. They will will just go crazy. Not that many people call. So if you have questions about what you need to do to get your podcast going, talk to the people at Podfly because they are awesome. So Justin, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to start their own thing? They want to become an entrepreneur. Maybe they're, you know, they're feeling like they're just stuck where they
1: are. What would you tell them to do? Well, find a hungry market and something that you could see yourself doing for the next 20 years or 10 years or whatever it might be that you could be happy doing. Play off of your strengths and then just go for it. That's that's the biggest thing is go for it and don't take no for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, but isn't it scary to go for it? Terribly. Um, it's it, Yeah, it's, it's horribly scary. And uh, I think that's what makes it exciting is everything is all of a sudden on your shoulders uh, to make it happen. And you just got to push through it. There's going to be people that try to knock you down and you just got to push through all of the noise and all of the the naysayers and just make it happen.
0: And there's a lot of those naysayers. This week marks seven years since I went out and started working for myself. So it was April 1st, 2009. I got laid off and I decided I was just gonna start my own business. I was gonna start my own business as a professional speaker, trainer, master of ceremonies. And I didn't know if I'd be able to do it. And and yes, it was scary, but I got laid off in the middle of the recession and there were no jobs in April, 2009. So as scary as it was, this was the least scary of the options really that I faced and you know my wife will tell you we hemorrhaged cash for a couple of years and it certainly wasn't what we were used to coming out of a nice executive salary however one of the things that happened was is that I did find those naysayers I had friends who kept saying well when are you going to go get a regular job or, mm-hmm. you know, behind my back, they'd say, you know, he wants to be a speaker. He's not famous. He doesn't have a bestseller. How, how in the world can he do that? And now seven years later, I, I make my living doing it. You know, I, I go in and I have a, you know, a coaching group with some really interesting people who I'm helping, you know, influence kind of what they're doing. And it's exciting. And every day I get out of bed and I like what I do. And in fact, one of my friends told his kids that what I wish for you is that you have a job you like as much as our friend Tom. And I thought that was like the best compliment I've ever gotten That he said, you know, I don't know anybody who loves what they do as much as you do, Tom. And so that's part of my advice to people is find something that you absolutely – like you said, something you could really see yourself enjoying doing. If you really can fall in love with what you do, maybe the money will come along. I mean there's that old thing, do what you want and the money will follow. I, I, I think that is true for some. I think for some it's do what you love and you'll go bankrupt. So I think you have to be, you know, cautious and careful and there has to be a market for it, but I think you're absolutely right that if you find something where you're going to love getting out of bed 5 years from now to go do what it is that you do, I think that's awesome advice.
1: Yeah, it's it is scary, but like you said, I mean, you were kind of forced with no other option. And sometimes people do not have another option other than to go up. And that's, that's great that you got that kind of feedback. And some of the things I kind of joke is every time I talk with my grandmother, she's like, when are you going to go back and finish your degree? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I can't really do that. I would be, I would be giving up,
0: I would be giving up hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, grandma. I cannot do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I can't go back to working for a year. What we you know, a fraction of what we bring in in a month, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, I, I can't do it.
0: <laughs> so how important do you think networking is for entrepreneurs?
1: I think it's huge. Um, you know, the old saying is your five closest friends. Um, you know, you can average your income based, based on who you hang around with the most. And for a couple of years, I was kind of holed up in my office not really getting out, networking anymore. I used to travel a lot, go to events, and that's when business was kind of suffering is when I was just kind of grinding it out. And this year, I kind of made it a point to really branch out and really start meeting a lot of people and really getting out there. And things have just been amazing when I've been able to network with some smart people.
0: You know, it's interesting because the answer to this question is always exactly what you said. And the only time it's not is is when somebody has bastardized the definition of networking. And a lot of times people think it's schmoozing, it's going and picking someone's brain or. Too much coffee or whatever, but it's, it's really all about building those long-term and mutually beneficial relationships. And if you can get out and really meet people where you're like-minded, you enjoy each other's company, you're entrepreneurial, and you want to see the other person succeed, magical things happen. And it cracks me up you know, when you know, sometimes I'm being considered to be the speaker at an event and people go, mm, networking doesn't really matter in our industry and I'm like, what the hell industry do you live in or do you work in yeah. because it matters in every I've – I've ne- you know, if someone – if you have people who are actually carbon-based life forms, who breathe air, who are part of your industry, the opportunities are going to come from the other people who they can make connections with. And so I always find it funny when people sort of poo-poo the thought of networking because I loved your example of you know, when I was buckled down in the office and not getting out there, business sort of suffered. And, and I think I hear – I think that is a common thing that I hear.
1: Yeah, there's so many cool people out in this world and it doesn't matter. I don't go into a scenario ever. I kind of learned early on that I just share with people what I know and don't I don't expect anything in return from it. I just go out to meet cool people and you just never know who you're going to meet. You know, it could be somebody that just sold their, you know, their startup for five hundred million dollars or you could be talking with the electrician. Or you just never know what's going to happen. For example, my business partner was just at Whole Foods a couple of weeks ago and noticed a guy from his podcast hmm. that was in town for South by Southwest. He just randomly walked up and started chatting with them. Well, needless to say, this guy is a very successful business coach and had some things to share with us. And we ended up hiring him.
0: Yeah, I mean that's you, you you don't know when the serendipity is going to happen and especially when we go to events a lot of people use the breaks to like check their phone run back to their room and make conference calls and it's like oh my god it's the serendipitous hallway conversations when you don't know who you're going to run into that's when the the ROI from investing and going to these you know conferences really comes in I mean <coughs> Going to Whole Foods and boom, you know, you found your your business coach who's going to help expose you to a lot more things and grow your business faster. You know, that wasn't why your business partner went to Whole Foods. He he went to get a salad.
1: Yeah, and it, it's just weird. I always I went to a lot of events for a couple of years, and I hardly ever went to the event. I sat out in the hallway or at the bar or wherever just so I can meet people.
0: Right. Yeah, that's exactly that's the smartest thing that that, that someone can do. So Justin, I call the show. Cool things entrepreneurs do. What's the coolest thing
1: you guys are doing right now with your company? Uh, right now, we're actually um, making a big book run and uh, doing some a lot of media stuff, which is some some cool things. It's kind of outside of my comfort zone. Is getting into some bigger publications and actually going to be interviewed on TV, and just just some. Some things that I haven't been really exposed to in my entire career. And uh, outside of that, we're just helping some great companies. I mean, we got a really good group of clients, and they're doing a lot of cool things that, as a result, they're kind of pulling us along with them, and we're helping get them more exposure.
0: Well, and I mean, look at this you're doing a lot more media. You got to be on cool things entrepreneurs do. So I think you've peaked, I think you've reached the top of, of everything you can accomplish right now.
1: Absolutely.
0: Without question. So, Justin, I love to ask the people who come on this show, not just about their company and what they're doing, but I think the best entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask people, who do you see out there? Not someone inside your company, but someone else. It could be your dry cleaner. It could be Elon Musk. It could be anybody in between. Who's somebody where you say, God, they're just crushing it?
1: Uh, I don't know if I can narrow it down to one specific one, but – you There's just a lot of things doing some a lot of people doing some amazing things out there. Um, I got one friend that's um, he just branched his company out to I think he's on his seventh country his seventh European country now. So he's got them um, all over. So uh, I applaud him for that. So it's been many years in the making. Now he's I think he's got clients on Iceland, Greenland, Japan. And he's all based out of L.A. here. Wow, that's
0: fantastic. So the other question I love to ask everybody is, in addition to making money, I think the best entrepreneurs want to leave their mark behind. So I love to ask people, what is it that you do to give back to the greater good?
1: Uh, sharing what I know. That's, I, I go back to that give without want thing is I constantly am sharing what I know. I'm not afraid to take a phone call even if I know that it's not going to turn into any business you know, for us, just helping people get through the clutter that is out there. And then outside of that, in terms of neighborhood stuff, um, this year's something new for me. I'm actually sponsoring my son's, or uh, not sponsoring, but coaching my son's t-ball team.
0: <laughs> oh, um, the, oh, the joys of the years of coaching their sports.
1: Yeah, so uh, I get the joys of coaching three-year-old t-ball.
0: Nice, nice. So Justin, if somebody's listening and they want to know more about you, they found you fascinating, or they're like, oh my gosh, you know, Conversion Fanatics is exactly the service I need to find. How do people find you? How do they find your company?
1: Uh, You can go to conversionfanatics.com. That's plural. Um, You can find information about the book there too, or you can connect with me directly on social by going to Clixo, C-L-Y-X-O.com slash Justin Christensen, all one word. Interesting. Tell me more about that. That's a service I haven't heard about, Clickso. Uh, Clickso was actually started by um, Ryan Stuman and he saw the need out there for people, you know, look at your email signature and you have, connect with me on LinkedIn, connect with me on Facebook, check out my YouTube channel, and do all of these different things. So he just created a free service. It's free, 100% free, um, to basically create a profile for all of your social engagements. What's the name of the company again? What is it? Clickso? How do you spell that? C-L-Y-X-O dot That's
0: awesome. I'm going to check that out as soon as we get off, off the line here. Well, Justin Christensen, thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Any last piece of, uh, of knowledge you want to share with the audience?
1: Just don't give up. Um, it's going to be painful uh, <laughs> at times. There's still times in my business where it's painful. Um, just keep your eye on the prize and... Keep pushing forward is all you can do.
0: Excellent. Thank you again for being a guest. And thank you to everybody who listened in. As I say, without the audience, we wouldn't have a show. And what's cool is the audience is growing. So I'm going to ask you a favor. If you like the show, if you said this was worth my half hour of time, tell a friend. Send an email out and say, do you listen to podcasts? Check out Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Or run over to iTunes and leave a review. It's really funny because I say this a lot and almost nobody does. But when they do, it makes my whole day so much better, and it takes all of like 30 seconds to jump over and leave a review on iTunes. So go over and say what you think about that. If you're interested in joining the Cool Things Project, our group coaching group that we have just started uh, with some really cool people, you can jump over to TomSinger, T-H-O-M-Singer.com. Go to the About button. They'll come down a little menu, and it'll say Group Coaching Project, and you can sign up there, and all the information you'll want is there. If you have any questions, just email me, and I will answer any questions that you have about the Cool Things Project. So we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Justin Christensen. But in the meantime, go on out there.
1: Have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger.